Until recently, somewhat recently, it's been quite the taboo subject. Right now, somewhere in the country, men everywhere are doing this. They used to do it behind closed doors, minding their own business in the comfort of their own home. But now, there's entire bars dedicated to it. When I think about this seedy thing, this disgusting thing, I think about filthy sailors. Alone, out in the ocean, pressed together, sweaty, months away from seeing a woman. And then things start to get out of hand. I'm sure they just did it to pass the time at first, but then those frisky sailors, they started to like it. Soon they were doing it every day, sometimes twice a day. And whenever a fresh young supple cabin boy would join their ship, they'd wait till they were far enough out at sea to where he couldn't escape. They'd pull him in the middle, circle around him, and let it flow. Those filthy, filthy sailors. It's Sea Shanties, this week on Nothing Good. Oh, thank you, Noah, for yet another wonderful and thoughtful mm. and insightful intro. Mm. Um, gentlemen, we're back with another episode. This is Doc, joined by Mr. Brown, Mac, yeah. and Jeff to my right, my immediate right. Uh, how yep. you guys doing this this fine evening? Yo-ho-ho, and a mm. bottle of rum. That's how I'm doing. Yeah? Yeah, you <laughs> yeah. Filthy, filthy sailor. I was waiting for a banana and a tailpipe, but we'll get to that later. <laughs> uh, that's a little humming up later. That's a, that's a little further out to sea. <laughs> so what's new? What's going on? Not much. We're just here. Season two a rolling. Uh, I'm getting good feedback. Everyone getting good feedback? So far, so good. To people that haven't listened, fuck you. What are you fuck. doing? Why fuck. are you listening to this? Yeah, and go back. Jesus, come I, on. I got a lot of really like, good feedback. You know, uh, just uh, the other week when I was on vacation, I'm sitting on the beach. I'm enjoying myself. I'm getting text messages from people listening going, hey, man, that last episode was amazing. That Did Noah, you? he's hilarious. Mm-hmm. That Mac, he's he's Mac. Jeff, he's Jeff. But I tell you what, <laughs> only one of the, one out of three Solarius. <laughs> no, in all seriousness, I did get some really good feedback while I was sitting on the beach. I was texting a couple of people who've been listening, and they've been saying that it's really fun and they're enjoying it, just passing the time, you know. And I really appreciate that. But we're glad they're enjoying it because we're enjoying the shit out of it. Uh, that's mm-hmm. what we do. You yeah. know, there's been a lot of news in the headlines recently about a recent show that has come back to the air. A show that was one of the most popular of all time. Game of Thrones. 20 million people a week. Everybody talked about it. And then the final season came out and it just laid the biggest turd over <laughs> all of our faces. Like in They're Germany. Not, not consensually. No, because in Germany you pay extra for that. But not yeah. here. We did not. Nope. But House of the Dragon has come back and the fans are starting to come back to it. But that's not what they're talking about at the water coolers. They're talking about season two. There oh, nothing good. There it is. Nice. I mean, yeah, one would hope. Uh, but let me be honest with you. It's a lot like having sex with my wife. I don't care if someone else is into it. I'm enjoying myself. So we're just going to wait. I'm going to do what I'm going to do. And I don't care what kind of funny, weird looks or if the neighbors get upset for as loud as I'm being, the job is going to get done. And that's what we promise you each and every week. And t- this week's not going to be any exception, gentlemen. 
you know, Noah, your neighbors once reached out to me and they said, is he awkwardly moving furniture in the house? Because we're concerned that he might pull something. I'm like, no, that's just his own noise. Yeah. I still pulled something, though. Yeah, they, well, yeah. hey. Hey, hey, hey. oh So, guys, Beverly Hills Cop. Yes. I'm so excited for this. Yeah. I'm going to I'm gonna go right off the gate. Before we get even started talking about beer and stuff, I'm going to go ahead and... and uh, Give Doc his flowers for a minute, and then I'm gonna then I'm gonna lose my temper. Oh, uh, good. Okay, great. First, this was Doc's idea, and to have this movie on there, and I was very excited. But I'm just gonna cut to the chase and save you TLDR for anyone who goes on Reddit. Get to the end of this. How dare you pick a movie that's actually fucking good? Like, <laughs> and I gotta sit there and watch a good movie. I'm like, yup. What the fuck am I gonna talk yeah, about? Well, we can't, we can't shit talk it the whole you, time. You realize that he's waiting for the rug to be pulled out from under his feet the entire time he's watching this movie, and then the credits hit, and he's like, "Fuck!" I actually enjoyed <laughs> that. That was sort Damn of my it. idea is to watch something I actually enjoyed. Yeah, well, yeah, dear God, we're gonna put an end to that concept <laughs> right here and now. Listen, I, I mean, for the for the a lot of the movies we've talked about, I have enjoyed the movies. Yeah. doesn't mean they're any good. But I still enjoy, yes, yes. you know, mm. aspects other than the occasional overtly 80s racism, mm. um, which, which... <laughs> still there. It was. Mm-hmm. It was. But, you know, it was there for a reason. It wasn't there because it was just, just because yeah. just because they were just racist in the 80s. It was there to prove a point. Yeah, for yeah, sure. For sure. And it still wasn't as overtly It was intentionally racist. Yes. It still wasn't as overtly racist as things that thought they weren't being racist at all that we've covered on this podcast. <laughs> That's right. Right. So Yeah. Right. And I wonder I wonder if um going into it, I wish I could have wrote, written a sentence about what I expected the movie to be like cuz I didn't expect it to age as well as it did. But here we are now. But before we go oh, further, well. I don't need any of my notes anymore. Noah just talked about everything. Right? Going to talk yeah, about the movie. Right. Thanks for listening. So thank you, thank you very much for listening, yeah. ladies and You're gentlemen. Have a great week. Yeah. Have a good one. Get the fuck out of here. I don't. What the? I don't fucking need you, audience. I'd do this by myself. Get out of here. You're fired. No, come back. Yeah, we can. Okay. No, no. Sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> it's good. It's good. I like when they watch. <laughs> <laughs> so what are we drinking, gents? What do we got? Doc, you got a beer cozy. He so does have a, I have like, no I, idea what this is because I can't. I'm not fighting the fucking ring lid on this thing to look at the can because I just it's just too much effort. It says hop farm. But while That's I was on, right yeah, but I don't know. Ring with friends. But I don't. I, I don't know like beyond I don't know that. What it is? Yeah. So I'm That's not even going to talk about. Called. But it's really fucking good. I, while I was on vacation, uh, we went to this this cup store at uh, Barefoot Landing in Myrtle Beach. And uh, shout out to the friends yeah, of Myrtle yeah. Beach. And uh, a, a Beach. mutual friend of ours, uh, Mr. Lindemann, said, "Hey, man, I have one of these. You should check it out." And I picked up, looked the box. I'm like, "I could use this." So there's a little frozen disc at the bottom. of This motherfucker keeps everything nice and cold. It's insulated. Keeps everything nice and cold. I fucking love it. I'll, I've been I'll, using it ever since. Can Can I describe it to our to our dear listeners? Go for it. So you know, like when you're watching a baseball game, uh, and the guy's on deck, and he's got the the koozie over the bat. Mm-hmm. To like make it a little bit weighted, so when he's swinging the bat, he's like you know building up his strength. So when he goes up to the plate, his bat speed's gonna be faster. Yeah, it's a lot like that, but it looks like it's for your dick. Yeah, yeah, I actually really like that. Uh, yeah, and it, and it looks like a marble floor. It does. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. I love it. It's, it's honestly, it's like it was like twenty five, thirty bucks, and it's worth its weight 
honestly. That's awesome. Highly it does recommend look awesome. It, it does but, look good. Yeah. So you're saying the one drawback is that it has basically suctioned the beer inside. So because you're not so going to get it out. The way the way this works is I have to like because it's all, a lot of condensation up here. So it's, I have to like twist the, the little the, the stopper off to look uh, at the can, and I'm not fighting that shit. No. Uh, but uh, it's good. The beer's good. You win this time, Gravity. Next you time, win. before the next episode, I'll make sure to look at the can first and really memorize what it's Just called. take a picture on your yeah. phone. That uh, four beers deep, you can actually remember. Yeah. I, I will I will say, as a as a uh, rotund human, uh, Gravity always wins. <laughs> yeah. There's not a time that it doesn't win. Mm. Sometimes it just wins harder than others. That's science. Uh, one of the things that it reminds me, I say to my patients a lot when we're working on like walking or their balance and things like that, and I say, listen, listen, listen. I trust you, but I don't trust Gravity. Because mm-hmm. it'll let you down every single time. That's a t shirt. That's, 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 that is. That's like if you Since we've been here today, Jones has dropped at least two t shirt ideas on us. <laughs> you know what? I also just want to throw, since we're saying fuck you to gravity, I also want to throw a very smart fuck you out to non Newtonian liquids. <laughs> like, <laughs> thank fuck you. you. For that. You look wet, but the harder I hit you, the more solid you get. Fuck you. What you did you say? Like, <laughs> you look wet. <laughs> what did you just say? <laughs> that's another right, t-shirt right. i guess well there's t-shirt number type three of t-shirt for a different type of person playing that back just, in my own head. Just, you don't have to play it back in your own head you it's recorded all, it I, it's there forever now i said you look so I can see the T-shirt now. Uh, it's gonna be. It'll be in the uh, Axel Foley mold. Yeah. Uh, you know the gray T-shirt and uh, the the high school. I think is what it was. The the words of the school that was on the shirt. Yeah. But we'll use the Beverly Hills Cop font, and then that's gonna be right there on the shirt. We are yeah. not going to use the Beverly Hills Cop font, right? Absolutely right. not. No. We We're would never use, do that. No. Absolutely We're not. We're gonna use a a completely. Different font. No, exactly. You're such a funny guy, Dave. <laughs> Similar royalty-free. Let's just be real. If anyone who cared was listening to this show, they would have got us on something like 50 episodes ago. At this point, we're okay. Oh, so I, I, we haven't really had a conversation uh, recently about the merch store and we everything. Haven't. It's still um, there. It, oh, it is absolutely still there. Have you guys thought what you would do if you were like walking down the street one day? And somebody you did not know is walking in the other direction, and they had a T-shirt that just said, "Nothing good." Hmm. And now this is a hypothetical situation, of course. Right? And are hypothetically like the laws still the same as they are in reality? It just <clears throat> just in this situation are the same. It's is sexual assault still a thing? <laughs> yes, it's on the table. Okay, okay. Then no, I don't know what I would do. Hmm. I'd be happy. I'd be five. I would hundred percent pull them aside and say, "Hey, by the way, where'd you get that shirt?" That's really was that a podcast? Is that a cool. That's oh. really cool. You can't, no, you can't tip your nose too much. Like, hey, I like the shirt, and then you look, thanks, and then walk by. Yeah. yeah, you don't want to be like, "That's me, that's me." No, I'm that no, guy. I would, I would say, "Yeah, is that a podcast?" Oh, that's cool. That's cool. You like the show? That's nice. Nice. That guy's gonna nice. be like. <laughs> that guy or that girl's gonna. Just in case, uh, and then you're gonna have that moment where like you're walking away, and that person's be like, "I know that voice." And they're going to turn around. You're just going to keep walking. Yep. Like, did I just... Was that... Was that Jeff Vandergrift? No. It wouldn't. But I would... If I saw somebody wearing the shirt, here's what I would do. I would let them walk past me. And I'd turn around and I'd follow them. 
and I would stalk them. <laughs> <laughs> and as they got into the, to the subway, I would I would get two cars behind and I would wait. And then as they got off the subway and, and hailed a, a taxi, I would have one as well and say, inconspicuously, please follow that. And wait till they get up to their front door. And just as the keys reach into the door, I'd run up behind them and I'd go. And then they turn around. And because this is hypothetical, I'd be gone. <laughs> I'm in the bushes, masturbator. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. When you're on public transportation, two cars back, you got to entertain yourself somehow. Oh, yeah. I, I so, oh, no, yeah. I've been working it up the whole time. You know, <laughs> keep it at a three quarters. <laughs> you sure you haven't thought about this? <laughs> no, I have. Absolutely not. On the other hand, if you also have ordered a T-shirt from Nothing Goods Merchandise Store, you can tweet us your address. <laughs> <laughs> for reasons why would you want to i don't know fuck you so but the real reason we're here mm. is to talk about 1984 i was mm. only two what were you maybe like three, three? Yep. yeah you were not even born you yet. weren't even I, alive I think, yet noah what, 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 since you have this when did what, this movie come out 84 but i don't know what, I think, all december right so 5th, there you go december 5th so okay so i was in my mother's belly at that point i, I had moved from my dad's balls into inside of my mother's uterus you know, I've also had Wait a similar a experience like that with your parents, but it wasn't <laughs> in 1984. Oh, oh! There you go. Oh. <laughs> Keys in a fishbowl. Yeah. I don't know. Um, my parents are weird. Fuck so you. I don't it's funny them. that the movie <laughs> came in out in fishbowl. December. Um, I wrote in my notes that it was like, I, when I think of summer movies, people think about it, you know, like Bad Boys or Independence Day. Yeah, that is the, I yeah. absolutely think of Beverly Hills Cop, and I always have, which is why I chose it for the summertime, because that's my summer movie. Yeah. You know, you mentioned a lot of movies that uh, weird. that were part of Mike Bay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all. I know. All right, that's all. You just name dropping? Yeah. Okay. Well, Casey, yeah. So Casey's, Beverly Hills Cop. Casey's listening <laughs> angrily, um, masturbating in a corner. This movie is better than every movie he's ever put together. To be fair, uh, we all know that is so utterly true. It's ridiculous. Uh, there's one movie that I would love to revisit one day, so we can put that to the test. It's The Rock. Because The Rock is fucking absurd. Yeah, absurdly and, uh, not good. But yeah, but I don't Bad know. Bad Boys is good. I, you think, not, you as think good as, not as good as Beverly Hills Cop? Are you fucking serious? I know. I, I have not seen... I can tell. <laughs> I honestly have not <laughs> seen was, either of those two movies. Give me that look. No, not In a long time. Well. So... So I, I don't I can't I can't honestly tell you how good The Rock is. It's, uh, listen, this, if this podcast has proven fucking he was undisputed champion at least once. I mean, yeah, <laughs> for sure. Oh wait, wait, no, the uh, film The Rock, the uh, 1997 yeah. action pick starring Sean Sorry. Connery what, and Nicholas what, Cage. Would you guys fucking lose your mind if one day The Rock pulled off his mask and it was Nick Cage the entire time? I'll check out. That would be amazing. <laughs> oh my god, bees! Uh, <laughs> I think Nick Cage. No, but honestly, this whole podcast is built around the idea that most of these films I remember being better than they were, right? Except this one. There are some exceptions. There are some exceptions. So I would like to revisit that, but yes. Uh, and I don't know, we got off already on a tangent. That uh, I would say that until I watched The Rock, I would give you that. Wait that. a minute, hold the fuck on. Sorry for the swearing, but I... What do you mean? Sorry, I quickly talked about the beer that I can't tell you what did. I'm drinking, but neither you motherfuckers talked about your but beer you, at all. You, you just you just kept going, and I just didn't feel yeah, I just didn't so, feel the need to bring it back. Guys, MFers, go guys for it. wait, we missed each other. It's not about mm. the beers we drink or the horrible jokes we make. It's about the friendship we share it's along about the way. Doing it together. That's yeah. right. It's always to me. I mean, about doing it together. You know, by yourself is just 
I mean, if, 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 they, if you can see them and they can't see you, then by yourself is fine. But together is where it's at. In the, in the um, dolls section of Toys R Us mm-hmm. with old Christmas wrapping paper. Yeah. Together. 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 Eye contact being made the whole time. Piggybacked by strangers. Yeah. Together. Call back to our class. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoy that concept of that. But Mac and I are drinking the same thing. Mac, what are we drinking? Uh, we are drinking a Southern Tier IPA. Oldie but a goodie. Classic. Basic but wonderful. Delicious. I'm not a big IPA fan, but I do like this IPA. This one isn't like made with, you know, shards of a rhinoceros horn mm. and, you know, 14-year-old bales of hay and, you know, the specific Yeah, and the tears of like Eminem watching his daughter date Machine Gun Kelly. Like it's not that type of IPA. It's just a regular IPA. Of all the dark I'm, jokes we make, that's pretty dark. That's, yeah, that's obviously specific. I'm drinking uh, an IPA that's not that one. Uh, it's called, <laughs> uh, it's called Cl- Cloud Harvest. Uh, it's a double dry hopped hazy IPA Ooh. from Rheingeist Brewing in Cincinnati, Ohio. I enjoy hazies. They're juicy. You know, they got like a nice zest to them. So and the unnamed beer. Name it. Come up with your own name for it, having drank it right he now. He knows the name, he just doesn't um, know what kind of beer it is. I mean, it's just brewing with friends. That's what it's called. I'm, I'm going to give the beer a name. Sure. Go, go for, it. for it. Ted. We can go with that. Jones is... Ted is delicious. Taking Ted into himself. And it is so Put fucking right cold. It's fantastic. Nice. Ted, Ted is ice cold. It is so cold. There. there it is. Wonderful. And as long as as long as as long as it gives and you get satisfied by it, Ted, then then really it's all what it's all about. Who cares? Well, if Fuck it, you if you're judging jokes. I'm, and I'm Ted, gonna, they I'm, are happy together right now. Clearly, I might retract my joke for just a moment and change the name from the beer from Ted to Andre Three Thousand because it's ice cold. Ice cold. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. You guys do not disappoint. There you go. So. Now we got that out of the way. Did we? Because we're in a in a mood tonight. We we are I definitely in a mood tonight. <laughs> we got to we have to there's an energy this tonight. thing down and, and stay focused on the here. road here. Because there's an energy tonight. I'm gonna I'm gonna put my my thoughts generally out because I, I feel like this 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 is like an open and shut case so to speak right because uh, I don't think and we've watched a lot of for this show I see a lot what of you did there what open and shut case but um uh, anyhow uh, so because it's a cop movie yeah see mm-hmm. so um. <clears throat> I've watched a, a number of movies for this show, um, and many of which I enjoyed on a certain level. Some I just like, oh, this is fucking garbage. Yeah. Some is not named because we just didn't put the episode out because the movie sucked so oh, bad. Oh, you can tell people what it is. Oh, well, yeah, Top Gun. Yeah. Um, so it's going to be like the mythical episode, Top yeah. Gun, because it exists. <laughs> it is there. It's it the, audio, the audio is there. It yeah. will never not, it will go away, but never shall it see the light of the, Only in the event of my death. Can Top Gun be released? <laughs> I'll keep that in mind. Uh, but, I mean, look, a lot of good movies. You know, Ninja Turtles, you know, your, 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 mm. you know, uh, Children of Men, stuff that I really, really enjoyed on different levels and different parts of my life. But this is the first movie that I watched for the show where I'd say over 75% of the time I had almost a shit eating grin on my face like while watching it. It's be- super enjoyable. Because. I, much like most of the movies we sh- we watch, I hadn't watched it quite some time. So I already knew I was like, oh, this is going to be fun. It'll be a good time. You know, my wife sat and watched with me. And holy shit, it is such a fun movie. 
It is. And it's just, every scene's like a little skit, and I I missed that. You know, like, every... That's the genius of Eddie Murphy. Yeah, like, everything just felt so raw. Yeah. But, uh, Uh, there it is. Still one of my favorite Santa specials of all time. So, we, we... we, we like to take the piss out of the 1980s films a lot in our podcast. We do. But let's go just throw a little bit of respect to 1984 here for a second. Yeah. Because let's just talk a little bit about what happened here in 1984. These are the top grossing movies, the top 10 grossing movies in 1984. Number 10, Splash. Okay. Okay. Number 9, Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock. <laughs> okay. Number 8, I know a favorite to some of us here at the table, Romancing the Stone. Ah. Number seven is Footloose. Number six, Police Academy. Number five, The Karate Kid. Number four, Gremlins. Number three, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Mm, cool. Number two, Ghostbusters. There you go. And number one, Beverly Hills Cop. It's a hell of a year for movies. <laughs> that was the number one highest grossing film in 84. That was... Not just that. Beverly Hills Cop is the was for the first 25 years since its release was the highest grossing comedy ever until The Hangover came out. It was also the highest grossing R-rated movie for a long time as well. Till The Matrix Reloaded. Because the movie's fucking phenomenal. Like, it's so well, the pacing is damn near perfect. Yeah, it's, um, the the only complaints you could have about the film are little minor details about what you could tell is really kind of like a run-and-gun movie in the 80s. And it's little tiny things that, sure, it's not as polished, but that works well with it. Uh, yeah, I went looking for something to, to, to like, you know, how would I like to pick something like nipple chomping and ride that through the whole goddamn time we're talking about. It's been a while. It has been. Chomping on those titties like silhouette, like a a fucking claw. Was it titty chewing? There was some titty chewing going on in that movie. But the movie was too good. It was like, it was like I, I got the feeling that anything that wasn't necessary, there was nothing gratuitous in the film. There was nothing that wasn't necessary to the plot of the movie. And all of it was a good scene. All of it was either that rare Eddie Murphy for like 10 seconds not being uh, like funny, but every scene had heart and mm-hmm. drama. Every scene and everything was important to the movie, and it was it was excellent. And I even dealt with Paul Reiser for the six minutes. I wrote like big letters. Paul fucking Reiser. Yeah, I forgot he was Fuck. Yeah. He's not in it very long, thankfully. Nope. No, Paul Reiser played basically one role through the 80s, yeah. and it was that guy. Yeah. Um, there's a lot to be said, too, about just having Eddie Murphy be Eddie Murphy. Mm-hmm. You know, because, again, one of the movies that I know we'll cover at some point when we're doing the podcast, one of my all-time top probably three movies is Ghostbusters. Mm-hmm. Um, but in Ghostbusters, you just have Bill Murray script be damned we're just gonna do whatever the hell i feel like mm-hmm. eddie murphy was like this a lot in beverly hills cop you know most of what happened in that whole movie was improvised yeah and a lot of his stand-up success and his sort of style at that time in his career you i mean you could see it as evident how much it flowed into this movie and most of it was improv most of his lines were all on the fly There's yeah a whole bunch of uh Scenes on the cutting room floor of the rest of the team, of the rest of the cast is breaking. Um, <laughs> I'm sure. I can only imagine. There is a scene in the movie where they had to use that the cast is breaking. Yeah. Which we'll which we'll talk about when uh, I'm sure we get to that uh, that point talking about the film. For sure. Can we take a second to talk about Martin Brest? Yeah. The director of this fine film. Yeah. Uh, he, he made a, a a few films. I have uh, after that. Brest director ever. 
restaurant. He lets it all hang out. Oh boy, it's clever. Thank you. Uh, so after the success of Beverly Hills Cop, he could basically do whatever he wanted. Uh, so he made four movies after this one: uh, Midnight Run. Oh, what a good, what a great movie! Scent of a Woman. Hua. Oh, there you go. Hua. 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 Uh, you can tell what generation we're from. Yeah. Joe Black, with Brad Pitt. No shit. Oh, success. Yeah. I love the look of that. Movie. And, then and just uh, just just stop there. Okay. No. He's no, not going to do it. We can't stop there. Yeah, we can't. No. So, Are you sure? So let's just let's just end timeline. Beverly Hills Cop. Yes. yes. Then after that is Midnight Run. Midnight Run. Run. Then Scent of a Woman. Yes. Hua. Then Meet Joe Black. Black. And then mm-hmm. and then in 2003, mm-hmm. he wrote and directed a tiny film you may have heard of mm-hmm. called Jiggly with Ben Affleck. And Jennifer Lopez. Geely. Yeah, whatever his, that is. Uh, his his wife. Pan. His current wife. His yes. current wife. Pan uh, for how terrible was it. Critically oh. acclaimed as one of possibly the. the absolute worst movie ever made. And he went into a recluse shelter mode after that and never did anything again. The next time anyone saw him was two years ago when they were doing promo for whatever anniversary it was for Beverly Hills Cop. That's he came fascinating. out to a showing. But other than that, no wow. one's ever heard of him since in the industry. Like, it completely ruined his career. Directed the highest grossing comedy of all time that stood for 25 years, and Gigli was so bad that it ruined him. Ruined his well, life. I mean, to be, he clearly deserved it because he wrote the fucking thing. Yeah. With all he due respect, he, he listen. It's not like he somebody handed him a fucking script, say, "Hey, did you shoot this." He that wasn't he his brain. <laughs> he chose this. Oh, he chose that, this path. He almost put an attitude that whole they can't hold be winners. He's like, "You're right, they can't." <laughs> <laughs> if that was the tagline, I think the movie would have been received better. Yeah, probably, probably a little humility. Yeah, considering, I mean, he could have done whatever he wanted, really. I mean, if you look at and he did. Stop. Yeah, <laughs> sorry, Martin. <laughs> I don't know what that was. It sounded like a werewolf. Uh, it might have been. So the buddy there he is. He's out there. That's what he does now. <laughs> <laughs> he knew. Yeah, yeah. Somehow. The budget for this movie was thirteen million. It made three hundred and sixteen. <laughs> Damn. Uh, that's a, that's a good. And that's good profit. Their, 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 their and expenses. four million of the budget was Eddie Murphy's paycheck. Excellent. He cleaned so up. That's a pretty good return. How about Eddie Murphy? How about like his Eddie? second movie? That he was starring in at this point, because yep. it was forty-eight hours, and then basically this, hmm. that he was just able to go four million dollars, and they're like, and then the nineteen eighties, like yeah, that seems right, yeah. Because oh, I mean, this is oh, top of the world. yeah. He was he was I mean he was, I I think it was I don't know if it was for Beverly Hills Cop or if it was for Forty Eight Hours, he was the only person to host Saturday Night Live while still a cast member mm-hmm. during this time, right? Yeah, I mean, he was he was the first one, and and also as we mentioned, Ghostbusters, he was supposed to be Winston Zedmore in Ghostbusters. He left Ghostbusters to make Beverly Hills Cop. Can I wise decision? I feel, and, and this is, and and to what you kind of sort of started to say, I and I, I've heard this before. Uh, I think that was such a good idea, and not for Eddie. He was going to be a star no matter what, but. I think Ernie Hudson's straight man was so important. For 100%. Being like the it's guy who's not a part of this yeah. made things so much funnier in the scenes that mattered for him. Yeah. I think that Eddie, I mean, it would have been great with Eddie, obviously, but he wouldn't have been a good straight, he wouldn't have been the straight man. Well, that's the whole thing, is that they had to, that's the reason why Winston comes into the movie halfway through the movie, 
because Winston was supposed to be there in the beginning with the guys as one of the as one of the college professors, college you know uh, yeah. fellowship guys, and they had to rework the whole movie when Eddie left. Can you imagine that film? Every day of my life, that's I a, did. That's a hard. That's a heavy hitting movie, dude. That's a heavy hitting comedy movie. Those four. Like, you, I couldn't even fathom it. Yeah. I tried to. And every time I do, I just get a nosebleed. I was going to say, out. is that why your hair is so long? <laughs> yeah, I just, I just, every time you think about it, your hair just gets a little longer. Just, yeah. <laughs> well, well, Eddie Murphy was not originally cast for Axel Foley. He was not. First, no, he it was wasn't. Rourke. <laughs> uh, and it was taking too long to get through production. And he had other offers, so he dropped out. Thank then, God. then it was Sylvester Stallone. Boom. Who was signed on. Yep. Uh, and reworked the entire movie to just be a straight action cop movie. Of course and, he did. Uh, was not comfortable then, with the comedy at all. Because he's not a funny guy. Yeah. <laughs> right. uh, and so that changed. Uh, and they decided to sort of blur the lines between action and buddy cop and make it lean in on the funny. And that's where Eddie Murphy came in. That's Wait, can we go back to Herb saying that, you know, have you ever, have you not seen Stop or My Mom Will Shoot? I was just going to say, don't you fucking dare bring up that movie. <laughs> yeah. The anger in this man's eyes. That is not a good film, and it's not a funny film. It's you not. know who's in that movie? Um, The Getty? The Getty. And don't you invoke her name a third time. <laughs> no, because no, she will pop up behind you. She will you. appear. I'm watching you, Jeff. Yeah, mm-mm. not going to, not going to, we've, we're not messing with that. Um, I kind of wanted to, and I didn't write anything about this, but just thinking about it now, because I was so engrossed with the film, I didn't really, it didn't click. But man, Eddie Murphy, right in this this little bubble, this vacuum of his career, was so fucking good. I mean, oh, yeah. he's still fucking funny. But you think about where he is now in his career, and it's such a fucking shame that he's not as applauded as he could and should be. Because well, he put out some fucking bangers he did, of it, films it, for a long time. It's so interesting that you met, you mentioned Gili earlier because I think it goes without saying that that I mean po- late stage capitalism really started to show its head at the beginning of this century because movie careers got eaten alive by bad choices in that same era. We had Gili, we had the Adventures of Pluto Nash, the the, uh, the with Daddy Daycare and like just a couple of string enough. Of making mediocre to downright bad movies was enough to take Eddie Murphy, a once untouchable star, quite and make literally him untouchable, quite touchable. He's, he's been touched, uh, especially if you're Mel B, quite touchable. Yeah. So I will. Uh, I don't know if you guys had this in your notes or not, but this was the first of seven straight movies that Eddie Murphy starred in that debuted at number one at the box office. He was money. It was, I mean, it was, uh, you could say this was like Will Smith in the 90s. Mm-hmm. There's nothing that, that that he could touch that wasn't turning to gold, right? And, you know, you think about the movies that, that came after um, Beverly Hills Cop with Eddie Murphy. I and I'm just, scrolls. I'm trying to get back to my notes on it here. <laughs> it's okay. No, I, I will say that it, it, the, my little thought here. Do you, do you have it loaded? Uh, go ahead. Give me okay. a second here to get it pulled up. What I like about most about his role in this movie is that he's so reserved compared to his stand-up, compared to his work in SNL, and compared to the work he would do afterward. He doesn't really like because when you think about leading funny men that would come after Eddie Murphy, they're all generally zany. Mm-hmm. But in this role, he was very chill. He's he's very he's like, hey Victor, 
And it's just like like that kind of a thing. And I love that shit. And, and he's funny, like really subtly funny in this too. I mean, like, there's some scenes where he's clearly zany. I don't know for where sure. He's, you know, yeah, in person. But, but it's not like that. he's he's not Ace Venturing his way no, throughout the whole, the whole movie. No, not right, the yeah. whole. I wrote the last thing I wrote about this this movie was uh, this movie is fantastic for one real reason because it finds up the pitch perfect balance, equal parts comedy, raunchiness, and seriousness. Yeah. yeah. It it hits. When it's serious, it's serious. It feels serious. It, it like yeah. the the tone just shifts, it and it's no longer haha anymore. But then the raunchiness is clearly there. Swearing like a sailor, titties all over the place. Mm. The jokes are over the top. They're crossing certain little lines here and there. Clearly for 1984, uh, and but then the comedy is just so fucking there. It is because he can be funny. Like he like he said, he can be so deadpan funny. Yeah. Well, you don't really see him deadpan funny in a stand-up. But in this movie, he's clearly deadpan funny Straight so deadpan many funny. times, and he, and he lets he lets and, and he's serious enough to let Judge Reinhold be the nerd, where yeah. it'd be easy to make Judge Reinhold be like the, the straight guy, right? You know, and the whole thing. But he's like he comes in, Taggart's the hard ass, and he's and, and oh jeez, Axel, like that very very like almost like dorky kind of a thing, and he lets him play it in that little pocket. Yeah, I think the, stuff. the dynamic between those three really great. helps elevate it. I mm-hmm. mean. The relationship and that they're so such different characters, mm-hmm. uh, and I mean Axel Foley is the star, obviously, but it's also like, okay, us as the audience, like, okay, I, is that what all the cops are like in Detroit? Because like, <laughs> then you start to associate that, and you're like, okay, yeah, these are these, you know, sort of uptight Beverly Hills cops, and that's that's what they are, and then you have this rough and tough street guy. Mm-hmm. And how do those blend together? And I, I think, you know, you, I, you said it best. The, w- the way they blended the raunchiness and the seriousness and the comedy together. I mean, it really plays to Eddie Murphy's strengths across the board. And, yeah. and to piggyback on what you're saying too, Jeff, um, there's a very genuine, like a very genuineness to his performance in this. Yeah. There's not a moment, even when he's playing it funny, that it doesn't still feel serious. There's nothing about his performance that feels campy, nope. that feels out of place for the character, nope. that feels out of place of the tone of the film. It all carries through. And that was one of the things when I was watching this that I was most impressed by. Um, and I shouldn't have been because, you know, I watch Coming to America, I think probably like once every three months. I love and movie with all of my heart. Everybody does. Yes. There's 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 reasons <laughs> so for that. It is so good. But again, you know, he has an ability as an actor that I don't think a lot of people give him enough credit for because, you know, talking about what we just had before when I wanted had to look it up here, right? So Beverly Hills Cop, number one. Then the second number one movie that came out next, The Golden Child. Terrible movie. Atrocious. We're gonna do it one it's day. It's not a great film. No, but dear God, everyone's seen it because it's Eddie Murphy. Uh, 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 uh. I, 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 I want the knife. Yep. Please. No. Um, Beverly Hills Cop 2. Yeah. Then Coming to America. <gasps> right? Uh, Harlem Nights. There you go. Ah, uh, Richard Pryor. Then Another 48 Hours. And then Boomerang. Those Let were me the, fucking tell you something, man. Everybody That's can say fucking something. Fucking Boomerang was such a jam movie for me. It was so good. Yeah, it's still so damn good. It is an excellent, one of the best soundtracks. Fucking Earth Kid, oh my god! Fucking get me started. Yeah. <laughs> oh my but, god. But but then let's see. That's that's an Eddie Murphy that we know. What a lot of our audience probably knows, and what you guys are talking about, how people don't give him the credit he deserves today, is because then we had Beverly Hills Cop Three. That movie's not good. No. Um, 
The Distinguished Gentleman was before that. I, I fucking love that movie. It's a really smart movie. That's and a fun movie. Not get the credit. I That's a very yeah, fun movie. Like, what's what? Because you think about like uh, like all the all the President's Men and all of these things that take place in Washington. What's your favorite? I've always said The Distinguished Gentleman is my favorite Washington politics. Yeah. Anything because it's got the right amount of slapsticky, funny, and deadpan and like dead seriousness stuff. You're like, okay, yeah, for real. Uh, we hit Vampire in Brooklyn. That's a that. It's not it's a not great a film, but it's not a bad movie though. It's, it's not. It's it something. In, I every time that I ever it's watched middling. it, I enjoyed watching it, yeah. knowing that yeah, even as a, as a small child that it wasn't very good. Right. But then we moved into the Nutty Professor. The first one was pretty damn funny. Not yeah. saying it wasn't. No, this is the point in his career where he sort of dropped the raunchy part of his. Yeah. He starts cleaning up a little bit more as he goes. You're right. There's yeah. more kid-focused movies. Nutty Professor. Mulan. We was boy from Mushu. Doctor Doolittle, yeah. then Holy Man, which I don't think a lot of people really, really went to. It was okay. It was, it was Jeff, I know I saw it, but uh, I don't Jeff barely Goldblum remember it. Is the uh, like QVC? He's the producer of QVC, mm-hmm. and he gets Eddie Murphy to to, to sell. You're gonna mention to me though. One of my all-time favorite comedy movies is coming up here. The Adventures of Pluto Nash. No, no life. Um, sorry, <laughs> life. Life is such a good movie. Life, life is next. That's not, that's not what I was talking no, about. No, it's, so it's Bowfinger, isn't it? Yep. yep. Fucking Bowfinger. Keep it together. K I T. Keep yep. it together. Keep it together. Oh, it's um, like, when Steve Martin fucking gum bands that dog's legs together, it's fucking. I'm not. I, I, I go really hot or cold on Steve Martin, but that is like comedy genius. I stood I, up in the theater and I was like, that is fucking funny. Like, that is, I, that is fucking genius. I, I, I bow at the altar of Steve Martin. <laughs> I always have and I always will. Just finished watching the first season of Only Murders in the Building. I love that man. But see, then here's the thing, right? Um, Shrek happened. Eddie Murphy didn't need money anymore. Nope. Uh, Once Shrek happened, that man. Yeah. I don't even need to talk about any other movies that he made. We don't need to talk about Pluto Nash or anything that goes beyond that because Shrek happened. And and you made so. And he got paid more and more and more for every single one of those movies. Yeah, you don't need and to work he can anymore. Make all the decisions he wanted to. I I do make a joke all the time because one of my favorite guilty pleasures, knowing that it's not good, is the song "Party All the Time" by Eddie Murphy. Mm. And my favorite joke to make about it, and I think this is one of the truest thing I've ever, ever come out of my mouth, is that uh, at the time that Shrek came out, "Party All the Time" was the low point of Eddie Murphy's career. Here in 2022, "Party All the Time." is the middle point mm-hmm. of Eddie Murphy's career. <laughs> and it's like, it's interesting to see. Now, I, I, lo- I love Dolomite Is My Name. Like I loved it. I, I, if I could convince my wife to sit through it again, I would watch it every other <laughs> night. Now, it's like, I thought it was genius. Genius of oh, a film. He's tonight. great in Dreamgirls. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. But unfortunately, Norbert came out right afterwards. Yep. Norbert. Yep. Norbert cost him an Oscar. So many of those things. So... But, Let's take it back to Beverly Hills Cup. I, do we do we want to go through the plot of the film? I don't think we need to do that no. necessarily. Let's I think he's a characters. cop. It's Beverly Hills scene. I love. I really enjoy like you know. Cocaine. God, there's 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 there are some titties. Uh, uh, I loved how in the '80s movies specifically when they're like, I think it's cocaine, and they dip their finger in. It. I <laughs> love that. I, I, I knew it was coming. Like, do they? Or they do it on a knife. Right? Yeah. Do, yeah. do cops actually fucking do that? No. I just thought I like they can't do that. I thought that. they like brush their teeth They're with like, it a little bit. Let me just see if it's any good. <laughs> There's some movie I can't. Right now I can't remember what it is, and, and maybe our our midnight listener can Google it for me because I'm forget. Yeah, please do. Because we're drinking a beer. There was a movie where uh, Robert De Niro plays a cop, 
and they're doing like a TV. Wait, wait, wait. Robert De Niro plays yeah. a cop? Bear with me. Yeah, wait, he's either a cop or a criminal. That's a stretch. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? It's half of all those movies. Let's whittle it down. And he's been asked to be the uh, assistant. Oh, it is an Eddie Murphy movie. It's Showtime. It's the movie Eddie Murphy and Robert De Niro on Showtime. Sorry, my brain had a second. Nice. But th- there's a scene where Eddie Murphy is trying to learn to play a TV cop, and he, and he t- tests the uh, cocaine out. He's like, you know we don't do that, right? Because it could be cyanide. And, and so, like, that's the first time I'd ever heard it called out in a movie, ironically, in an Eddie Murphy movie. But, yeah, no, oh. I don't think they actually do that. If they do, of course, then again, too, I'm going back for based on what I think of police and how they handle the thing. Oh, they are definitely testing out that cocaine. Let's, yeah, they go, yeah, they let's just do it on the hood of this car while this guy watches. Are you acting like in the 80s they even bothered to think it was anything but cocaine? <laughs> they want to check on set. This, real cocaine. This, this was the 80s. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that, that was a budget. What was, do you think the other 9 million went to? That wasn't even a prop. That was real cocaine. <laughs> and he remember he had it in his Volvo. All the guys were fake. Cocaine was real. Yeah. Uh, no, for sure. Testing out the cocaine. Great. One of my favorite cliches of, of, of movies of that era. Uh, I thought we were going to talk about how 80s titties, no matter what movie we're in, all and I see right now. If you go on the internet, you were to watch a movie. You were to watch HBO. And you're like something made in the last five, ten years. And you're like, there's titties in this. You wouldn't be able to predict what those titties look like. They could be big old titties. They could be petite titties. They could be average sized titties. In but if 80s, I said '80s movie titties, uh, they're all the same. You have right now the person listening <laughs> pictures all the '80s titties yeah. that are in every movie. And, and you're right. In this one too. They look you're exactly like it. Absolutely right. Yeah. Someone's like, get the titties. Like that was the, the name of the titties. <laughs> they just filed in. Could you imagine, like, that was your Hollywood company? It's like, you know, like, I just recently saw the movie Nope. Yeah. And that's focused around family that have, of uh, horse trainers that provide horses for movies. Could you imagine if you were just the titty trainer in the 80s? <laughs> and, like, you got the phone call. Listen, we're doing Beverly Hills Cop, and we need some t- Say no more. But who's in it? Eddie Murphy. I got just the titties. <laughs> that's right. And go through your Rolodex of tits. Just, uh, you just go uh. to the stable. They're all just sitting in stalls. <laughs> right? And like he just like just show up with the trailer, pulls the door of the trailer down, the titties come out, and his job on set is just to keep sure that make sure the titties are wrangled. Titty spreads them down. These tits need their mandatory union mandatory. There's a couple really cool to get away from the titties for a moment, but we'll be right back. I'm sure. We will. Well, they're out now. A couple things that I really appreciated about this film that like I, because okay, so I'm sitting there watching it with my wife. Oh, also, this episode's a really important episode. Uh, for one very specific reason, uh, because I'm unveiling a new uh, rating system. Huh. Oh shit! Yeah. yeah. Oh, it, wait, wait. It's not nearly as cool I, as it I sounds. Announced gimmick. Does it, I love it. <laughs> does it? Does it involve titties? No. Oh. Oh. No, no, no. Nothing oh. like that. So my wife watches all the movies with me usually, uh, and so typically she's never seen them. Uh, but on occasion, something that she'd seen before, you know. So she'd seen this movie before, but like a lot of probably people our age, you know, honestly, you probably saw it on TV a bunch of times, like the cable version. There's some scenes that you're like, oh, fuck, I forgot that even happened. Like, dude got fucking shot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. oh, fuck, I forgot that even happened because I'd seen it on Fox USA so many Network. times, yeah, you know? Yeah. Like, um, But anyhow, so uh, I, I, I always ask her what she thinks, and she gives me her opinion. And I usually don't bring many details, and I still won't. But um, I've come up with the Alley rating scale. It's a star okay. system out mm. of five. Uh... That's the alley rating scale, or as I like to call it, arse. <laughs> and I love you. She gave it four out of five stars. She is not happy that I've named it arse. I was hoping it was four out of five arses. <laughs> but now that can't, well, no. I, I love it. I love everything about it. In every movie, I'm going to get an arse scale rating. <laughs> You're getting real gauge of the arse. Yeah, gauge of the love arse. It. 
And she wanted me to tell you guys, I had nothing to do with this. This is all Herb's idea. And I said, I'll tell them. That's fine. It's still the R system. Yeah, it's the wonderful. Yes. Wonderful. But, uh, I love the, a good acronym. Yeah. A good dirty so, acronym. So the next yeah. time that we see Allie, do we just go up to her and say, hey, Allie, nice arse. No, you don't. Doc's <laughs> like, play time's no. over, motherfucker. <laughs> you do not do Doc that. Doc took no. off his glasses, but his glasses are still on his head. That's right. <laughs> no, uh, so there's really cool moments in this movie. There are a lot of really very specific tropes that I expected, but it was even funnier when it happened. Like the fucking frazzled, kind of graying, like fucking supervisor cop, his boss, yep. just fucking pissed, I, sweaty, I, I, and graying. The most things I wrote notes on in the entire movie are about how I love, this might be my favorite cliche, angry captain. Ever. I love him. Yeah. Le- he absolutely says, you're a good cop, Foley, but you're reckless. Motherfucker, seriously. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Please don't do this to me. Listen. This is too good. Uh, you know, you talk about like classic tropes, uh-huh. right? That of and, and movies like Beverly Hills Cop like produce those they tropes. Cre- they created them. them, right? I love it. So this was the note that I had just right before yours with the the frustrated police captain who just can't wrangle in his newfound detective, it. right? It was the opening chase scene. You know, after he's in the, the back of the... God, that's The music, we're going to get oh, to that. We're going to get to that. <laughs> oh, yeah. But it's the opening chase scene where he's in the truck and then they're just driving around Detroit and they're just randomly running into things. <laughs> so many things people that got have injured. No reason of being there. You know, like a truck of 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 like fruit. I was like the bananas went the flying. The bananas went flying. There's random bananas in the summer of Detroit. Yeah. Just the 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 people that are pulling their cooler out. Why why do they have a where where are they going? They're not going to like Lake Michigan or anything like Maybe that. Like, they are. There's no beaches in Detroit. If it is, it's full of heroin needles. Jesus You're Christ. not going there. Yeah, I said that Detroit, but you've cleaned yourself up, so it's okay. <laughs> but I wrote this because when I watched it, I had to go back and watch it again because I immediately thought of that scene in Wayne's World 2 when they're just walking through the street and he's like, what are you guys doing? He's like, well, my job is just to carry this sheet of glass back and forth across the street. <laughs> and me, I'm stacking this crate full of chickens. And me, I'm going ahead and just stacking up these watermelons. And he's like, okay. <laughs> and then, yep. you know, 75 minutes later in the movie... The car chase happens. They go through the pane of glass. They go through the chickens. They go through the watermelon. The car crashes. And he's like, yeah, yeah. And the dude's like, gentlemen, our work here is done. (laughs) And that's all I was thinking about is like, that's what it reminded me of because that's what grew that. Mm -hmm. Because so many chase sequences had to have that because you didn't have Michael Bay with sunset car chases and low camera angles going across the bottom of the car. Yeah, it was much like Blues Brothers. Yeah. But... This is still a Jerry Bruckheimer movie. It is. Mm-hmm. That's the other so reason we, I was going to mention There was that. still a gratuitous car chase in it, no matter what. Mm-hmm. Just what hadn't been Mike bait up yet. It hadn't been. Uh, I have, I I'm glad that you guys have adopted this, because it's true. I, I like it because even though you won't admit it, it is so disrespectful. How that is it disrespectful? Is, just the way you said it. Like, what? Like, I, I say Mike I, I I'm going to tell perfect strangers that when they cut me off in traffic, I'm like, Mike Bang. The way you said it. And they're going to know what I'm talking about. I don't uh-huh. understand. Uh, yeah, I took way more notes in the first half of the movie because I was just trying to be more observant. But I got roped in because it's a good fucking movie. Yeah. And watch. You know what I mean? Yeah. But um, the thing is, they literally must have wrecked every car in Detroit during that opening sequence. And then I realized, joke's on them. It's Detroit in the 80s. Cars, cars just there. came that way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's where cars are made, yeah. and that's all it was. They would naturally come all fucked up like that. Can too. we can we go ahead and mention the the city of Detroit police cars for just a second? Uh, 
that they had like a just a stick on like sticker sign on the side of the door that just said Detroit Police Department. <laughs> and the siren was fucking R2D2 with a spitting red lamp on top of it. And it just looked painful to me. Yeah, it it was, just looked uncomfortable. Well, I think you know, even you know, the stark contrast to how nice when Eddie Murphy says, these are the nicest cop cars I've ever been in the back of. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's just, it's, it just sets it like the whole movie has successfully a completely different vibe. Once you get to Beverly Hills, it's jar- it's jarring in its own way in that it's nicer. Yeah, I love the, the culture shock it goes yeah. through. It's Excellent. like a full-on fish-out-of-water like scenario, and, I, and you don't think about it necessarily that way, but it really is. And you're starting because in the beginning of the movie, it's just you're the observer looking in, watching all this happen. And as soon as he goes to Beverly Hills, now you're looking at it from his perspective. Yeah, it shifts totally. Yeah. Now you're seeing what he's seeing. You're, he's just like, wow, this is this is fucking amazing. And honestly, I mean, they went out of their way, obviously, to, to make like the the stark contrast, but they did such a good job. I mean, they go in the fucking the police department in Beverly Hills. It's like a fucking okay. command center. It looks like war games. Yeah, I mean, it looks like I, the movie War Games and Matthew Broderick. I had it look like the command center in the first Death Star when Han and Luke yeah. broke in as uh, as stormtroopers. Like they thought that's what the you know command center of the future was going to look like. That's what Beverly Hills yeah, yeah. Cop just took yeah. right with it. Yeah. They might even recycle the set. I don't even know. They very well might have. I mean, Ronnie Cox is probably just brought it with him. He was in RoboCop as well, you know. So just just drag it over. So anyway, uh, let's talk about some of the characters that are in this movie. That like some of the fun things. I'll go right off and say that I did not remember. That the actor who played Michael Tandino was as good as he was. Like, he comes off scummy, but immediately likable. So you feel bad mm-hmm. when they kill him in what must only be known as the most brutal, or the least brutal, brutal death I've ever seen in a movie. It was it quick. Was, it, it was, was an, It was an execution, and I was expecting way more of a, of like a splatter on that than I did. Yeah. Nothing. Nothing. But it was no. still, they didn't, they didn't cut away from it. They, no, they, they didn't. They hung on that. So it was still brutal, but... He got you know. shot twice twice in the head from the behind. Yeah, razor and blade vaginas. It is not. No, no. Dusty Rhodes took more blood from that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, Dusty Rhodes saw that. He just played it in the theater. That's what I was just gonna that's say. That's what I'm gonna do, baby. That's yeah. exactly what I was gonna say. Dusty Rhodes was watching this in the theater, saw that happen, and went, shit. <laughs> it's just yeah, you ain't gonna sell that. He just, ain't selling that very good so at all. Just, I'm gonna just play it here real fast. I Get blame in my popcorn. you <laughs> because you brought him up. You and you, you've brought him up. I so this is a super sidebar, but goddamn, it happens. That's what we do. So. Uh, for those of you who do not know, I was on vacation a week or so ago. I was in Myrtle Beach for a week, and it was a wonderful recharge time. But I discovered something about myself uh, while in Myrtle Beach, and I, I feel like I've been fighting it my entire life, and that is when it's time to grill, and we're, like, really grilling, and you're, like, really working on, you know, ribs and steaks and stuff. Dusty Rhodes comes out. Yeah. And a buddy of mine and our mutual friend, we're sitting over some steaks and we're doing ribs. And I'm just like, yeah, baby, you got to slather that, uh, that uh, the salt on them baby back ribs, if you will. And you got to make sure you get the corn on the cob and the, and the foil. You got to make sure you wrap them up real tight. You don't want to get them burning, baby. You know what I'm saying here. Jeff, and, we, we've been tailgating wrong. And I'm sitting there. And, and Chris does not watch wrestling. No. Never done that. No, he has no fucking clue what I'm doing. He's just looking at me. He's thinking. He's thinking. Does he need to call an ambulance? And like, are you heat stroke? <laughs> like, what? And I'm and I'm like, oh, you gotta make sure you flip them them burgers, baby. I gotta be medium well done. We we we, we gonna plan today. And I'm like, and I'm like, and I'm just like fucking going off. And I'm like, this is the most amazing experience to be Dusty Rose while grilling. Yeah. And I'm never going back. <laughs> He's got to understand 
that these burgers are like the Ric Flair of all beef patties, baby. <laughs> you are not a real wrestling fan if you do not have a Dusty impersonation. Yeah, you, know. you have yeah, to, on some Dusty. level, mm-hmm. even if you never actually audibly used it, it's in your head. Oh, my, it is. My wife now will be able to tell when it's coming. She'll go, if you will. I like love this. it. She's never watched a Dusty Rhodes match or promo, but she knows if you will. If you will. Guy, I see it. You ever like, I don't know if you guys are as babbly as I am, but you ever just catch no. yourself, come to in the middle of you saying something? Like, just like, you're like, oh, I tune back in. Now, on this channel, I've been talking in the kitchen to myself, and I realized <laughs> that I'm in the middle of a you wheel. And to the point where it's, I must say it, once a week, I love Dustyism. It's the best approach. Dude, I will drink for Dusty I, fucking Rhodes. Right. Absolutely, Absolutely Dusty Rhodes. To the American dream. Yes, if you wheel. Yeah, what you're describing, though, is basically how I live my life in the kitchen. Mm. Stephanie will just come down and be like, what the fuck? Yeah. And I'm like, uh, this just I'm cooking. Hands are Let moving. it go. Brains on Things are going, and then the mouth is like, "Oh, I guess, guess no one's running the shop. We'll take it from here, boys." <laughs> <laughs> yep, as the listeners of our podcast will <laughs> will attest to. But anyway, Michael Tandino. Um, so I don't watch Breaking Bad. My, yeah, I was going to mention that. So yeah, the, and Better Call Saul. Zach, the hitman, the yeah. real Mikey. I was like. His face looks so familiar. It his does, face but it's so punchable. Doesn't. Because it's it's Mike the Hitman from, yeah. from Breaking Be- Bad and Better, Better Call Saul. Yeah. No, um He's just older and balder and yeah, very old. But still looks in that very and almost like, like, oh, if, shit, if, if someone's like I wanna take James Caan from that era, but I wanna hit him in the face with a wrench a couple of times. <laughs> it's that guy. But see But still know, menacing like James Caan would be if he had yeah, just got hit yeah. in the face with a wrench. Jonathan Banks. Yeah. Name. See I, I, I to to piggyback off that a little bit um, seeing him in this movie, you know, you're like, oh, where do I know him from? What is? Why does he look familiar? He looks like a fucking. I don't even know how to describe how he looks. Like he does not look like a person who belongs in a movie, no. right? But you know, as time went on, he grew into that face. Yeah. And Breaking Bad is when that paid off. He oh. looks like a star. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It just took. You know, it looks like the '80s were real rough on him. It's like he didn't know if he should be bald. He didn't know if he should have hair. Uh, yes, that weird. His nose did not fit deal. his hair. Oh, well, his nose no. didn't fit his face at all. The <laughs> '80s were the end of the era where you could be fucking completely ugly and still have a very well-paying career with your close-up on your face all the time, right? Like, just ask really Bill Murray. Why not? What? Huh? And here's Bill Murray. <laughs> yeah, just ask Bill Murray. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Oh my god, yeah. But Bill Murray's like a, like a crater face kind of a thing. God damn, he's an unattractive human being, he but he's hilarious. Well, you know, the '70s and '80s, SNL were rough on god, people. They were. They oh, had to. Sure, but you know, he made it. A lot of the other ones didn't. Yeah, that's no. right. You're right. But somewhere Dan Aykroyd is still being Dan Aykroyd, and everyone will let him go because he got he got out. He got out early enough. But what I want to say, it comes back to the dude from Breaking Bad, is, and I wanted to give this point earlier before we started talking about this, is that with the movie being funny and serious and having enough heart, is that I think you got to give credits to you do feel because of the casting of the villains, Maitland and this guy, that you do feel that. They're in danger. That there's actual danger. That when yeah, Foley walks, yeah, yeah, when he walks in, and any time that those two are there, until the point where Foley turns the buffet on the dude, you feel like this guy. Because the only time I've seen these guys are doing some serious shit. You feel like his friend is in danger. You feel like it's like oh, and that's a menacing. Without other than the opening scene, you don't see them do anything menacing until Act Three in the movie again. But that danger carries on. I think it just goes to the testament. A good pacing. Agreed. Yeah. In fact, as you mentioned it too, there isn't necessarily a lot of danger in this movie. Mm. For an action movie, 
It is relatively low action. It is. You got a car chase. Eddie Murphy gets randomly throw, thrown through a fucking window. So extra. Which I love that. So intense. So dramatic like, and I'm, necessary. I'm watching. Window. Yeah, that's I'm, great. So, you know, so in the episode that we will not talk about, we did talk about in that episode, the, the lost episode of Top Gun. <laughs> we talked in that movie about how we have memories of that film. And when watching it back... We, a lot of us realized that maybe we didn't really actually ever watch the movie from start to finish. <laughs> yeah. We just, in our life, thought we did. You yeah. just did a way better job than we did on that Top Gun episode. Yeah. Well, that, you episode. could just cut that out and like post it as a 15-second episode and just title it Top Gun. Do the, do, put your intro in, put that in there as a description for Top Gun, and then put the, the outro, and that's yeah. it. Hey, everybody. Hey. <laughs> but... Um, I feel like it was that way with Beverly Hills Cop. I don't think that I've ever watched the movie from start to finish all the way through. Definitely didn't see it on like premium cable, so there's a lot of the the good mm-hmm. stuff that I didn't really get a chance to see. Today's. But I didn't today's. But I did not remember because as I'm watching them carrying him out of the fucking building, and I see the door, I'm like, oh, they're gonna. He did not go through the door. No, no. <laughs> I'm I'm waiting and expecting just the door to open and him to be like fucking DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince from Uncle Phil tossed out the door. Yep. But no. Like they the threw cat, him like the cat from Flintstone. They threw him Which right. They threw him right through a perfectly good window. <laughs> like they had <laughs> the window reason. didn't deserve that. That window did deserve it. Somebody, it was mine, it's own business. Yeah. Somebody who's an administrative assistant for that guy just went, well, I got to clear my afternoon. <laughs> because you have to, because now all of a sudden you got to clean the lobby. You got to find a company that's going to come out with a window that big. That shit's custom. They don't just have that lying around. That was completely unnecessary. And not to mention, that costs a lot of money to fix a window that big. True. All this is going through in my mind as I watch Eddie Murphy get thrown through the window. And he's laying there like, why the fuck did he throw it? And they they said that you tossed yourself through that window. And there are six witnesses who would testify that. I love it. I'm like, that is so fucking funny. His exasperation is fantastic. Like, I got through the fucking glass window. Who does that? Nobody would acknowledge. (laughs) Well, that was the whole thing. (laughs) So good. Like it doesn't even make sense. No, it doesn't. That's the best. It's just like it's just happening to him, and now he's got to deal with it. Like that, and there's a little bit of like racial uh, concept there, right? But they don't ever let it. It's not a little bit. No, I mean, but but it's also it's not like it's like oh okay there, but they they move along with the plot because you're still concerned about about Victor Maitland and all that stuff, and it's just how good the movie is. Here's a little serious. Here's a little funny. Here's a little serious. Touch of suspense. Here's some funny. Then. Well, it's great because like Eddie Murphy was all of us in that scene as we're watching it. Like, what the? F- it was a perfect. He was thrown through a perfectly good window. Perfectly fine window. It was so fucking perfect. No, I want to use that as a segue to talk about uh, a character and then get really mad at myself for something. And I want to do it on air for everybody else. So the Ooh. main villain of this movie is a man by the name of Victor Maitland. Great villain name. Great name. It is great and, name. Uh, and a very quintessential '80s thing. And I'm sitting there watching it, and it's one of the last notes I ever took. And the reason why I stopped taking notes is because I got so mad at myself for not being able to think of more jokes from what I'm about to say that I got up and walked around the house, and I just drew a blank. And I very rarely get stumped in this way. But I realized that Victor Maitland looks like a Nazi Phil Collins. So, so fun fact. I didn't write it down, but I swear to God, I... I I'm so glad you said that, because up until 
probably like 1998, 1990. You thought it was? I thought that was Phil fucking Collins. I swear to God, I thought that was it. I convinced myself that was Phil Collins until I realized it wasn't like an asshole. No, I and and that makes because as a kid I thought, oh, that's I just thought all gentlemen who looked that way were Phil Collins. Why wouldn't you think that way? Uh, No, but I was so bad at myself that all I could do was think of one. Nazi Phil Collins joke. Jesus. That I could stop taking notes. Actually, the last thing is titties. Is the last thing of notes after that. <laughs> I see. I can see it on your phone. Yeah. Titties. Yeah. Titties. Titties. Say, titties. Yeah, say, yeah. titties. And that is my... Uh, Victor Maitland is just a Nazi Phil Collins. And then I thought to myself that I would just start going into Phil Collins Nazi jokes. And the only one I could think of was, you'll be in mine heart. That's it. That's all I got. It is really difficult to come up with fucking Neil And Mary Alice is like, why are you so mad right now? I'm like, I, I couldn't come up with a Phil Collins Nazi joke. I, I gotta stop. I, I came up with it no short, no less than 12 Dan Severs, uh, Severin jokes. Danny Severin. Danny Severin, thank you. And you only came up with one Phil Collins Nazi joke? Yeah, it's harder than you look. Because I'm trying, you know, we're going for quality, not quantity. Noah, but, I think I speak for the rest of us. We're not mad. We're just disappointed. <laughs> I just, I, 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 I thought, I thought even now in this moment, my brain would just go, and I'd be like, I just be able to fire him off. And as I'm sitting here and we're talking about in my yeah. plate glass window, and it is a really good point. I'm like, I, I got nothing. We're at the Nazi joke time, and I got nothing. <laughs> Two weeks, and I got time. no Phil Collins Nazi jokes. What has my life been? I'm gonna go back to a Catholic church. Bless me, Father, for I have sinned. I can't come up with more than one Phil Collins Nazi joke. Help me. Uh, there was nothing. There was nothing about in the air. To, there was one other one, but it was too bad. Too. I feel like in yeah. the air tonight no, is not a way, direction you want to go. No, no. There is. There's a. There's a whole lot of Nazi jokes that are not a direction. So there was like a. In all my affairs, real narrow street I could walk down with that. That's but. impressive that you were able to sense yourself. Oh yeah, there's you typically there's a. Oh, maybe you do. There's you there get zero I do. And just you, go for it. Oh, not not about. 1939 to 1945. You gotta be real careful. But, on that our audience, audience, why don't you go ahead and post your greatest Phil Collins Nazi joke online <laughs> and tag nothing good in it. We'd well, love wait, to hear that. Tag nothing good. I don't, I don't in it. You don't have to adhere to that. I don't know that you want to do that. We might be attracting a different crowd for mm-hmm. the show at that point. Because yeah. there's some people on the internet who are like, wait, I'm allowed to tell a Nazi joke? And they're really gonna get into it. As long as they watch and listen to the show. How about this? Buy a t-shirt, send us a screenshot of your receipt and your address, and then you can post a Nazi joke if we won't delete it. But it has to be a Phil Collins Nazi joke. That's how you draw up sales. That's just basic shit. I'm sorry. Marketing. That's good marketing. It's marketing 101. It's not like one of us works in marketing yeah. or anything. Yeah. One, you know. Allegedly. Typically, we steer clear of Nazi <laughs> Yes. I will so give general rule of thumb in marketing, and as yeah. always, remember turn in your TPS reports. Make sure let's see the thirty day turnaround on this. And no Nazi jokes, guys. Yeah. You remember what happened to Reebok? Yeah, don't do that. Um, so on on his IMDb page, uh, typically when an actor is passed away, they use like an older photo of the actor, like in their prime, in like one of their better movies. Yeah. And I go to uh, Stephen Burkoff's page. I'm like, oh, well, there's a picture of him that from like Beverly Hills Cop when he looks like fucked in uh, Cocteau from Demolition Man like he right does, in the beginning that, 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 yep. yeah and I'm like oh man when did he die he's not dead he's <laughs> he's alive and well he's uh, he's still making a lot of fucking movies Just he's, he's very Cop, busy how old is he uh, he was born in 1937 so, so we're old. we're talking 89 right yeah, now he's up right there. 
And as I go through like his filmography, I'm like, well, there's got to be some Nazi stuff in here somewhere. <laughs> um, no, they're they're not 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 so far. It'd be he too was, on the nose. He's a Bond. He was Orlov and Bond. Yeah, he was in a Clockwork Orange. Oh, God, I haven't uh, seen that movie in a long time. Oof. That's, there's, that's, that's a probably not gonna never gonna cover podcast. that shit. No. Um. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's, he's got a huge filmography here with some of the stuff he's done. Uh, Children of Dune. Um, oh, not, not boring ass Kyle McLaughlin '80s Dune. The sequels, wow. the boring ass Kyle McLaughlin '80s Dune. Legionnaire with uh, Jean Clavana. Oh. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna real sidebar move oh, here. Oh, get it. So, <laughs> <laughs> has. Have all of you guys seen A Clockwork Orange? Yeah. Yes. Not for a very long time. No, there's a it has been a really long time since. Do you I've remember seen the first it. time you saw it? Mm-hmm. Where were you? What were you doing? Because I can tell you exactly where the fuck I was. I was in college. I was not in college, Jeff. Fuck. <laughs> I was in elementary school. Oh. You oh. oh. It. Uh, I was. I, I had the luxury of having cable in my room by this point. Uh, I was like, yeah, like sixth grade somewhere in there. It was on fucking Encore. Oh. And look, look, I should have never seen that shit. And I didn't understand half of what I was really watching, but that fucking movie's wild. Yeah. That no, movie's I, something. I think it was 16, 17 when I saw it, and I, I knew enough about the quality of cinema to know that I can see why this movie is regarded as well. Because for Video Store, an incredibly strange video we rented it for had the poster on the wall and I'd seen enough references but I know that I will ne- likely never watch that movie again until my children are old enough <laughs> to ask me what's Clockwork Orange it's like it's, there's certain other movies I'm not saying it's as good as Schindler's List but like Schindler's List is another one like I know that's a great movie and you can only watch that a handful of times you can really only watch that shit once, like once and like so when my kids ask me about that movie then I'll put it on and I'll do it for a few other movies but I'm not going to enjoy Clockwork Orange because I know I remember that movie. Yep. Noah's list for that film that like you can only really absorb a handful of times, and he'll only watch it if his kids bring it up is Schindler's List, Clockwork Orange, then Transformers: <laughs> Revenge of the Fallen. No, I will. If my if my daughter says, "Daddy, can we watch Transformers?" and I'm like, "Oh, you mean the the classic one? You got the touch." And I'm like, okay, no. Out in 1984. Mm. Yeah, and it's incredible, uh, incredible film. It's just like no, the one, the one that's later. And, and oh, and I realized that she's talking about 2007 Transformers. I'd be like, you get the fuck out of my house right now. <laughs> You're going to live with your mother. You <laughs> <laughs> <It> insinuated. <laughs> anyway, right. Which will be news to my wife at that moment. <laughs> get your child out of my house. Okay, sorry about the sidebar, but I it's, just you I brought it up, was, and I'm just uh, like, I had a flashback of a couple scenes. Worth episode it. 75, guys. We're going to do it anyway. <laughs> it episode 322. <laughs> Way down the line. Uh, well, after we get through the next Halloween Havoc, it might be episode 322. Well, let's talk about the, let's talk about the baby faces of this movie, too, as we, as we start steering ourselves oh, yeah. towards the music and the wrap-up. Yeah, well, I mean, just touching on the cast in general, so we talked about Nazi Phil Collins. Uh, we talked about... Judge Reinhold and Taggart and Axel Foley. Yeah. Uh, there are also some very brief cameos. A great uh, cameo. Damon Wayans. I love it. Yeah. Love it. As take banana those bananas. Banana Man. Uh, yeah. take, you take those. A very young uh, 
Damon Wayans. His very first acting role. It's, That's it's his first so film. Good. It's hilarious. Damon um, Wayans had it then. Paul Reiser we saw for a hot second in, in the Thank God. Stop saying you his know, name. <laughs> Paul, Paul Reiser. Paul Reiser. Paul Reiser. Oh, God. Wait. He's, he's in Stranger Things. We've even invoked he's, Paul Reiser, Judge Reinhold, the Getty in one fucking day. Not, <laughs> That's not good. We are not safe to go home. <laughs> um, Paul Reiser's range from like in like the 1980s into Mad About You is exactly zero. He is the exact same person in Beverly Hills Cop as he is in Aliens. Yeah. Uh, as he is in Stranger Things, as yeah. he is in Mad About You, he has, like, it is just, he just plays himself. Like, that's it. I know a few actors like that. But he was, one of them, I haven't, I admittedly watched very much Curb Your Enthusiasm, but I saw when he was on Curb Your Enthusiasm, and he just Paul Reiser all over the scene. And when you're Larry David, and you basically invented Paul Reiser before Paul Reiser, and you still out Paul Reiser Larry David, which is a weird <laughs> sentence to say out loud, it still makes sense. Then you know you're maybe too much Paul Reiser. Is right. there ever too much Paul Reiser? No, there certainly is. There certainly is. I would venture Helen Hunt has probably had too much. I was like, unless you're Helen Hunt. Yeah. There's a reason she doesn't do any more work. She's been Paul Reiser. She's been Paul Reiser. Yeah. She's like, I'm good. I'm she, good. she did the tornado movie, and that was enough. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As good and as it gets. As good as it gets is a good film. That That's true. Good. Yeah. Well, we have that, and also... And then we have uh, Bronson. Bronson Pinchot. Mm-hmm. Uh, big fan. Big fan of the 80s Perfect Strangers TV show. He got the role in Perfect Strangers because, because of this. He actually... I've, I've been waiting to cool. talk about this the entire time. Uh, recently, here in Pittsburgh, we had a comic convention. He was there, and they had a Q&A that we got to, to be up front for. And one of the first questions was, did you get the role of Beverly Hills Cop because of Perfect Stranger? The Strangers, and he corrected the person home, telling them that the timeline, the Beverly Hills Cop came out in 84, Perfect Strangers didn't start till 86, and then a bunch of questions in the middle of a different Q&A panel come out about about Beverly Hills Cop. So he described uh, filming it as uh, working with Eddie Murphy when the cameras were rolling was one of the best times he ever had because it was his job to make Eddie Murphy laugh and to break character, and he's upset that he never did it. Mm. He never broke Eddie Murphy the entire time. When the camera stopped rolling, everyone else would laugh. Um, but Eddie Murphy, according to Bronson, was a completely different person when they called cut. You weren't allowed to look at it. Like, no one else, not even the girl who played his his his, his, uh, his old friend. Like, no one. Eddie Murphy would just walk away. No one was allowed to look or talk to Eddie. But when they set everybody up and the scene began, Eddie was a different person and he was the likable Eddie Murphy. Wow. Um, he said it was the easiest two days of shooting he's ever had and uh, and he just wished that he could have known how much money the movie was going to make. Hello. Hi. So he could have hey. asked for more money. You know, it's got to be tough if you're Eddie Murphy that people expect you to be Eddie Murphy at all times. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, you know... Eddie, Mer- Eddie Murphy, the character, versus Eddie the person. Right. People don't disassociate or differentiate that they're that right. two different things. Um, so, you know, I could see why he would be different when he's you know, not on camera because it's got to be hard to be that kind of person at all at any given point in time. And I got to say, for uh, Jenny Summers, you mm. know, the the friend, I'm happy mm. that she wasn't the love interest. Like, I'm yeah. happy that it that that it didn't need this movie didn't need a love interest. Nope. I mean, he he was flirting a little bit. He had they it was they had a thing oh. before. There was some. He hundred percent said you you filled out, and I'm just like, mm, <laughs> you don't just say that to a friend of yours that you ain't tag. <laughs> 
Yeah, you ain't seen it in a long ass time. Uh, yeah. But I'm it happy got complicated that, for sure. I'm sure it was a. But honestly, as far as like '80s chicks goes, that you don't get to see their their nipples in the movie, which is in these movies we watch, it's very few and far between. Is there a prominent actress in a movie that you don't see her boobs in the movies we watch? She's gorgeous. Like she, I've just I didn't remember her being as beautiful as a actress as she was while being '80s to where she's completely '80s, but not like too over the top. You know, not like not like every other actress that walked by. Uh, Eddie Murphy in the movie was just two eighties. She was yeah. just the right level of eighties. I as you're talking about like other characters and and other you know roles in this movie, the lieutenant I think was my favorite. Ronnie Cox. Yeah. Yeah. I um I loved just how serious he played that role of the Beverly Hills chief. You know where where you know Eddie Murphy gets brought in the first time, and they're questioning him, and Taggart just gives him two gut shots. Hey, who the fuck does that? <laughs> well, I mean, bless, bless you. you. Uh, uh, he's a black man in custody in Los Angeles County. He's just fucking just... Uh, that's a best case scenario. Every, every time Eddie Murphy got punched in this movie, it was only in the midsection. Did you guys catch that? It was that? a whole... It was, it was annoying whole, me, actually. It was serious. It was a, it was a whole, whole serious. <clears throat> but I love when Ronnie Cox walks out and he goes, do you want to press charges? Yep. Serious. Ronnie Cox was 30 years ahead of his time at this yes right like they, and it was and that was just crazy to kind of see that you could defund the police as far as i'm concerned except that man's precinct yeah they're doing god's work right there <laughs> what's a better name ronnie cox or dick to go oh dick to go i've been waiting to talk about this dick to go is the superior name because you're like dick to go dick to go and you want to separate it but you're like like what kind of cox ronnie cox and I would, if I had that name, I would run up to strangers. They're like Ronnie Cox, and then I'd Batman the fuck out of them every <laughs> time. Smoke See, bomb and I run. go with I go with Dick to go too because like I could hear that in conversation a lot easier than like Ronnie Cox because we're like, sir, sir, you're Dick, and then like you just run Dick to go, and then she like puts it in a fucking container in a bag it's, and gives it's it like to you. It's like a giant paper leave, bag walking yeah, around. Yeah, as you leave the room, it's, it's, it's you know? still got the, the, the little doggy bag tabs on the yeah, side. Yeah. It's yeah. Aluminum lined. Keeps yeah. hot like a Chick-fil-A sandwich. Yeah, exactly. Just a little bit less hate. Well, how would you like your dick, sir? To go, please. <laughs> we all take our dick to go. We do. And a little sign of Ronnie Cox. That's right. Uh, no, I liked him because, really, any other 80s action fans will recognize him as the bad guy in RoboCop. Mm -hmm. And as the ultimate bad guy in Total Recall as well. Which, two movies we are definitely going to fucking watch at some point on this podcast. So it was interesting to see him be that same authoritative, sharp suit wearing guy, but instead of a slime ball, he's on your side. Yeah. Yeah. Ronnie Cox. Almost as fun to say as Dick to go. God. God damn it, we're going to do some more time time. Just like, I, <laughs> Dick that to deal go. is going. <laughs> Dick to go. Uh, but let's, um, let's talk about the last thing I think that really makes this movie great. Uh, which is the music. I thought you were going to say Judge Reinhold. We yeah, already talked about Judge Reinhold. He, he, okay, the fact that his name has been said at least three or four times tonight is more than has probably been said since like 1997. Since Beverly Hills Cup 3. Which was probably 1997. Yeah, somewhere in there. Yeah, yeah he was the only one, aside from Eddie Murphy, who was in 2 and 3. Uh, well, Bronson came back for the third movie. He did. To sell guns. Yep. And titties. But you do your thing. <laughs> but yeah, the music though. So the heat is on. So every, every song in this movie is so good. I completely forgot that this song was in the movie. Yeah, yeah. It's and and as I and as I turn the movie on and like 
Because I was immediately thinking the first thing you're going to hear is how what we is the music we all know the from the movie is the song. Don't worry, you is, hear that for 50 other minutes. Yeah, yeah. you I mean, do. Yeah, every it's in every literary area of the scene. But like I thought that's where we were going to lead off, and then no, the heat is on. And I'm like, fuck, listen to that sweet sax. Yeah, mm-hmm. saxophone, 80s rock, chase music. I did not remember this was in there and that it was the chase song music. And I'm like, ah, God. that's why that song was everywhere. Because it was in Beverly Hills Cop and it was a huge fucking hit. I don't know why I just thought it was a random, some other random 80s movie. Yeah, I, let me get to, all the other music is great in the, the movie. Excellent. But we have to talk about Axel and F minor. That is all time. And they play the shit. I don't know how much they paid to have that song made, but they got their fucking money's worth. Harold Faltermeyer is the man who made this mm-hmm. happen. And uh, he did God's work. Yeah, because I that remember it being in there that much. It, it is it is absolutely the theme song on every level. Because yeah, I should have the whole time just started humming the song halfway through a review. <laughs> how many times as a little kid did you hum that to yourself when you were doing something uh, like you always. know? So much. It, because it was it was perfect. It, Anytime you go to any keyboard or music store, it doesn't piano. There's a forty percent chance that someone's gonna play. Six or that. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. If it's a giant piano, it's always chopsticks. Mm-hmm. If it's a regular sized piano, it's if, that or Beverly Hills. If it's a synthesizer, the closer oh, to the sure. synthesizer you get, then it's just Axel and that. Yeah. <laughs> There's always a sign above the synth- the synthesizer that says Beverly no Beverly no uh, BHC no BHC no stairway. Yeah. Yeah, well, the stairways by the guitar. I know, yeah, but yeah. still, I mean, it's a music store. Music stores typically do terrible business. They would share the space. They yeah. would just print the same sign twice. Yeah, I think there could be an just argument retail. that this could be the greatest soundtrack for a movie ever. It is not. I think it could. It I said as an argument. You could. You. I would say that as far as a non-pop song, instantly recognizable, like kind of a movie line, it's in the top ten. Easily. Fuck, it's like, a top three. Uh, because I'm thinking, like, you think about, like, the Star Wars main theme, mm-hmm. like, Indiana Jones, dan, 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 and mean, then the James Bond, dan, 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 dan like, the, like, yeah. stings and parts of the music. I'd give you top five, because everyone knows. Everyone yeah, you knows. hear it and go, Beverly's Cop, right? Yeah. You can hit, huh, and everyone will know. <laughs> okay, that's it. One yeah. note. That's actually a really good point. That's actually, think about it. How many songs do you hear, like, the first note? Like, the first, and you go, You think that's what it is? Yeah. I think Beverly Hills Cop was in a, a real short list. Yeah. Because no, not too many big songs that are part of movies and soundtracks sound like that. that you, sound, yeah. I think that's an interesting point. That's a very it short, is. short list, it is. too. You know, you know where my, my, my mind went instantly when you said that was, so my cell phone when I when Zedge used to just let you download um, any kind of Zedge ring, days. And we could just download any ringtone you wanted and your phone could be just fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. My sister's ringtone was Soul Glow <laughs> from Coming to America. Yep. So, you know, when you hear the Don't let your soul glow mm-hmm. and like the sax kinda kicks in there too. I did not hit the note. I know that was terrible. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you tried. It tried. It just hey, didn't get there. Probably. Yeah, my balls dropped on that. Sorry guys. Um but like that's the kind of thing that I that I think of as being an instantly recognizable thing, um, but you're you're right. I mean, there's there's very few things that would would align themselves to a movie than that song. Yeah, which Excellent. is pretty cool. Speaks a lot to the song and yeah. the impact of the movie in general. Somehow the movie that that song might have more cultural impact than the movie itself. Which yeah, is I think that's good. a good yeah. yeah. Well, because too the, the synth is is the sound of the eighties. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know? Undoubtedly. Indubitably. <clears throat> Indubitably. Auspiciously. Listen, any, Copernicusly. Any, any movie that has more than one Patti LaBelle fucking song on it is, is a fucking winner. That's yeah. also true. 
Yeah. We'll put some respect on Patty LaBelle's name, goddammit, in this house. There is, there is no disrespect in this house. Yeah. Patty LaBelle reigns supreme. But, uh, only to be toppled off by other people, slight other ones like David Bowie in this house. If David Bowie were alive today, I would write him a letter. And my handwriting is terrible. Every day, just to come, please come into my house and kiss my wife right on the mouth, just to make her a little cooler and me by association. Just a, just a little bit. So just a little bit. I'm, just kiss you. I'm, I'm, I, I, w- I would not dare be as impetuous as to insist that I could ask Bowie if to kiss me on the mouth. Ask, he's not gonna know. I'm See, pretty confident. That's why you're the man. I actually I know that I I think I've only really actively willingly listened to less than five David Bowie songs in my entire life. We'll have conversations after off the air. No, we don't have to though. No, we'll, we'll just we'll I talk. I have no interest in David Bowie. No, I bet I can. I bet I can. We can talk about it. I mean, we can, but we can't. We'll talk. It's okay. Because there's like eh, there's like there's like nine different versions of Bowie. I can find one that fits you. Okay. Yeah. Sure. There's, yeah, you got to work out like Jericho in like 2008. That whole run, he just stole from David Bowie. <laughs> he stole from David Bowie in 1997. David Bowie woke up and said, "See, what have I done? I've been a weirdo, been a spaceman, been like an 80s pop star who wears a trench coat for some reason. I've been, I've been a, labyrinth. I've a, been a, a wizard in a maze. A wizard in a maze with a puppeteer in my crotch. What could I do? Oh yeah, I'll be a fucking heel." A Bond villain. You know, <laughs> and it works. Fun fact, if he has a puppet on his crotch in Labyrinth, his dick is doing the work. And his, and, that dick is SAG-AFTRA eligible. It, is. it has its card. That dick is not to go. That, uh, no, that, no, that, that dick, dick was to stay. To stay. Yeah. yeah, that's <laughs> dick to stay. And we hope you guys are here to stay as we keep moving along with the show. Uh, guys, final short sum up. Beverly Hills Cop. Is this the best of the uh, movies that we've resumed? That, that 80s action? Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. Is it too good to be on our 80s action list? Is it like in its own tier? I mean, it would be at the top, I would assume, for I don't like the majority. That. I kind of want to like slice underneath it and lift it up into like the Hall of Fame and still keep, like as far as the best of the bad movies we've reviewed. Okay. You know, you know this, this podcast has got me a, almost a little depressed on the 80s. Because, like, I was, as we've been watching, I remember these movies being so much better, and then we just get to, we get to review them, and we just shit all over them. And I'm like, oh my god, was the 80s just a lie to me? (laughs) Just a little bit. This whole thing just a lie. But then, you know, we get to Beverly Hills Cop, and it totally redeems itself. That's right. 84 was a good year. All right. And we have more Beverly Hills Cops to look yeah, we do. Yeah, uh, we do. They're getting ready to film Beverly Hills Cop Four. They are. That's a thing. Uh, being released by Netflix. Ah. Uh, there's talks of a Beverly Hills Cop Five, and then Eddie Murphy is just going to solely focus on stand-up. After that, that's his career aspiration. I pay, I pay a lot of money. Uh, for that. They just Everybody announced would. this week that Joseph Gordon-Levitt is uh, co-starring in Beverly Hills Cop Four. Oh, well, all right. you guys do remember right. they had the Beverly Hills the Beverly Hills Cop TV show briefly. And they did like the TV movie that he was in. His son. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was focused on his son. And then it was a it was a brief lived TV show. I think it was only like one season on Fox, and and that was it. But yeah, they tried to they tried to branch out into the Beverly Hills universe. Mm. Yeah. Going the BCU. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, the BCU. Yeah. Um, Stick with what works. Yeah. What my, the first. My my my. Time. My final thought about the movie was just how much they took the piss out of Detroit. Could. You know, like I, Detroit is not a. I mean, it's a it's a major city. You know, it's not New York. 
It's not Chicago. No. It's not Los Angeles. No. It's not Denver. No. It's not Miami. No. It's not Dallas. No. It's not Boston. No. It's not Philadelphia. No. But it's Detroit. It is. Wait. It's not Minnesota. No. It's not Minneapolis, St. Paul. It's not the entire state of Minnesota. No. Yeah, no. Either the Twin Cities. No. Right. Not St. Louis. Not no. Houston. No. Not Houston. No. Uh, not San Francisco. No. But it's Detroit. It is. It's not Orlando. No. No. No, it's not. But it's still Detroit. It is. And the fact that they're just like, well, I guess you don't have this in Detroit. I mean, maybe you need to go back to Detroit. It's like, you're fucking Beverly Hills. You're basically six square miles. Fuck you. <laughs> Um, you know, no, I would say my final thoughts is, hey, I remember, this movie is way better than I remember it being, and I didn't remember it being bad. I remembered it being good. And I thought, oh, well, this podcast has fucking taught me that everything I remember being good ends up being shit with some extra nipples. This ended up being Not really today, good with today. extra nipples. Yeah. No, no, and there's, uh, and, you know, it's I, I tend not to want to... There's not really too much to make fun of in this. I mean, George Reinhold's a dork, but he's a dork that knows he's a dork. Uh, Just... I, He's self-aware. Just, he is the just Eddie Murphy talking to Judge Reinhold about it's okay to have a boner. It's okay to have a hard on. <laughs> You're in a strip club. You okay, Billy? It's okay, Billy. It's okay if your dick's hard. <laughs> I'm not gonna judge. And it's like it's like yeah. <laughs> you see Taggart. Taggart's definitely hard. <clears throat> he's just not. Uh, he's just not displaying it. Like it's, it's just awesome. Gentlemen, final thoughts on this? Either of you two? Don't be stupid. That <laughs> <laughs> oh, was great. Right. Well, speaking of 80s things and other movies maybe being better or worse or who knows, we may never have seen them. I'm going to say that next week, at the conclusion of next week's show, uh, which we're going to talk about what we're doing here in a second, we have a very special treat. You see, next week we're going back to our first ever throwback episode. That's right, we're revisiting a topic. Not a, oh my god, we went long, so I statistically have to split it into two parts. <laughs> Two-parter. <laughs> no. One year ago, season one, we talked, very drunkenly, mm. about the Nintendo 64. And since then, we've grown as people, we've grown as a show, we've added two new hosts, and uh, fuck it, let's talk about it again. It's Nintendo 64, part two, or as I want to call it, Nintendo 65 next week here on the show. And uh, we got a little special treat coming afterward. You see, these guys, they don't know. They know what's coming. And now we're going to tell you. See, I, you have to listen to next week's episode because we have a special new gimmick debuting on the show next week. You see, we have the a device. A device of epic proportion. A device that is of such epic proportion that I wrote down an acronym for it that I now have to move on and pull with Dave and pull up my notes and babble <laughs> just long enough to get it. And that device is called the Noah's Mystery Entertainment and Awesome Tourney Thing. That's right. It's Noah's Meat. It's a mystery wheel. And everyone's going to get their hands and spin Noah's Meat, which will tell us what our next film episode is going to be. These guys don't know what's on the mystery wheel. I bet. They're all worse than Beverly Hills Cop. Probably. Oh, almost. I, as it comes to be, a lot of movies are. A lot mm -hmm. of probably very famous movies are. But what? what is riding on Noah's meat? We're going to find out. We'll be gentle. We can't wait to get our hands on it. That's right. And you, listeners, you're going to have Noah's meat all over in your ear. It's going to be pleasant. Did you come up with meat first and then do the acronym? Or was the acronym <laughs> and, then, and then the meat came afterwards? 
That would be a yes. The meat it's first, yes. and then I, then I came up with words to fit it. That's effort. Yeah, yeah. So you found something to fit your meat. I did. I did. Well, it's, it's really. It's sometimes it's about what can you fit fit meat into, and what can you fit into your meat. And this is twenty twenty two. We could dock all kinds of words into other things. It's really about you know basically taking the the vocabulary foreskin and just kind of dragging it over top of what you want it to be, and then it becomes one big thing. That's, that's way better marketing than Phil Collins-based Nazi jokes. That's yes. true. Which yeah. we still want you to share with us. I am not kidding. We are. They're all they're all also editors on the on the social media, so they'll probably delete it, but not before I get a chance to see it and screenshot it and read it on air. That's not cool, If it's man. not... It's just... We don't, no, listen. I'm saying the jokes must be about the Nazis, not about anything else. But if you can find the room to make a Phil Collins Nazi joke... Send me your address and we'll talk about it. Wear nothing good shirt, but you have to buy a t-shirt. Anyway, guys, next week. Next week. Next week. See y'all there. Yep. N65. For N65. Ooh.